Hey guys, and what's up? Welcome to the Process Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Logan McNeely here, owner and founder of the Process. But today we have something exciting for you guys in store. We have a cool guest, Faith Farley, who is one of our individual design coaches. She's currently in school and will be graduating uh, with her DPT physical therapy uh, this May. So she has a wealth of knowledge as far as mobility, stability, uh, strength uh, pertaining to different injuries and different types of joints. So we kind of dive into a bunch of different aspects with today's interview. What we wanted to remind you guys is today, Monday, April 1st, we have a special deal for you guys going on today for our compete program if you sign up from now until Saturday this Saturday April 6th what that's going to enroll you guys for is a chance to win a $250 Rogue Fitness gift card we're going to be giving away one of those and we're also going to be giving away to another lucky winner a $50 first form gift card so if you guys subscribe to our compete program that's going to give you one entry in to win one of those two gift cards and if you guys have any questions you like this podcast make sure to subscribe like it review it let us know what you guys want to hear we are all ears we are here for you guys and we just want to provide the best service the best product possible for you so we want to know what you guys want we are driven by our athletes our members and our listeners so let us know guys without further ado enjoy this interview all right guys hey so we are here with faith faith is one of our new individual design coaches and we wanted to give you guys a chance to get to know her um, as we kind of talk through her, what she's currently involved in, um, what she what what kind of led her up to this point in deciding to uh, pursue the career path she is, and kind of how um, she is able to take the that knowledge and that experience and help athletes in your guys' shoes. So, without further ado, we have Faith here with us. Faith, how you doing? Hey everyone, I'm doing well. <laughs> Where are you uh, joining us from? I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, right now. Awesome. And what are you doing there? I am doing a 15-week physical therapy rotation for grad school at the um, Air Force Base here in Charleston. So I'm getting to work with the military. Oh, really? That's cool. What? Uh, so is your population you're working with kind of all the same kind of demographic? Yeah. So active duty military only um, um, men and women of all ages, kind of 18 to I don't, the oldest guy I'm treating maybe like in late 30s, so mainly the active duty age. Yeah, I was going to say more active duty, kind of younger, younger generations. Yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, what made you want to do PT? So growing up, I always like, was always in sports and um, never luckily was injured and had to go to PT, which is how a lot of people end up getting into the profession. Yeah. But I always just was drawn to, like, my anatomy and physiology classes, really liked the human body, everything about fitness and exercising, and, you know, just amazed at what the human body could do, knew I wanted to go on to a higher education, but knew also that I didn't want to go to, like, eight years of med school, and um, with physical therapy, I could get, like, hands-on and still be, like, more of the exercise version of medicine, um, so... It's a good yeah, career path. I really like it. Yeah, I was going to ask you there because I know like 
with the, you know, exercise physiology paths, sometimes you can, you know, have a bunch of different directions you want to go. What made you want to do PT? I know you said hands-on. Was there anything else? Um, Obviously not spending uh, another, like, nine years in school. Yeah, that, that was a big, definitely a big factor. I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in, in grad school. Three extra years was enough for me. Yeah. Um, but... I, I kind of compared like physical therapy, occupational therapy, physician assistant, all that kind of stuff. And PT was definitely more of like just what I was interested in as like full body exercise, um, injuries, orthopedic injury type stuff. Yeah. What do you, um, you know, athletic population. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm done. And then, uh, so I was going to say, what, so you kind of want to work more along the lines, like with athletes, right? Like once you get done with your, um, like once you graduate in May? Um, ideally, I think like every ex all athletes all day, but obviously that's not, um, always going to happen. So I've treated a lot of like geriatrics, um, which I like that as well. So the CrossFit gym, being in a CrossFit gym helps me. Like if I'm not treating athletes with my regular job, at least I can still treat athletes like in the gym and get my hands in the more athletic population as well. Cause both geriatrics and athletes need therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. Um, and now speaking kind of more on the lines of like, athletics probably because that's what most of our audience is going to be listening to from you know most people being involved in like functional fitness in some form or fashion um maybe some bodybuilding maybe some powerlifting realm those those types of things but uh what i want to know is what did you do before um pt like for fitness yourself because i know you got some some big accolades okay so well way back before crossfit even was in my life, I was a collegiate soccer player at Coastal Carolina University. Okay. So my, you know, my whole life, my whole college, we were, had to be really fit to play soccer. Um, when soccer was over, I knew of two of my friends that were at the CrossFit gym, like in town. So I just started going there and I just really liked it. You could be competitive and still do that like high intensity exercise, feel really fit, but you weren't, I wasn't still playing soccer. Mm-hmm. so kind of got into crossfit um like i said i had some friends and mentors that just made it a fun time i've done a few competitions so about a year into crossfitting wasn't like super good at it yet but uh, i did wadapalooza in miami in the intermediate division which was really cool that was like my first like super big competition and, and saw like oh crossfit is like a huge community i had no clue about yeah. What um, after what? Um, twenty sixteen, I think. Okay. Twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my. Oh yeah, rewind before I uh started Waterpalooza. I got my level one in twenty fifteen. So I guess it was twenty sixteen. I did Waterpalooza, but yeah. Okay. So I, I graduated school, got my level one worked as a CrossFit coach before grad school and then worked as a CrossFit coach through grad school. But so I've done Wadapalooza. I've done a couple like local competitions in Kentucky and West Virginia. 
And then most recently, and my biggest um, competition was the USA Functional Fitness. If you haven't heard of them, you should definitely check them out. They're trying to get CrossFit into the Olympics, which is awesome. Um, so I competed like online version, national version in West Virginia, and then international version in London with a bunch of really awesome athletes. It was amazing experience. Yeah, that's cool. And how is that set up? Like, um, like uh, CrossFit is kind of like, or it was like by your region. Um, how does the USA F FF, the, the International Functional Fitness Federation, how do they kind of set up like the like sanctioning, sanctioning like athletes and stuff? So kind of similar to the old school CrossFit Open, um, you, you start with an online qualifier and then they take like the top percentage of your online qualifier and you get invited to the national competition. Last year it was in West Virginia. This year it's at CrossFit Krypton. Um, online qualifiers open for like signups right now so anyone's interested but then at the national qualifier they take like the top five guys and girls and then they also take some for a team and from there you do the international competition and last year I think there was like 16 or so different nations in London all represented from you know everywhere in Europe Canada Mexico USA they have even more countries involved this year and it's going to be in Sweden. So it's going to wow. be awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Are you going to be able to make that commitment again with, uh, with all your hectic school schedule now? No, unfortunately I am not. I have not been training as hard as I wish I could be. And my cousin's wedding is also the same day as the nationals. So yeah, you know, got to support the family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the, sometimes you got higher priorities than, than yeah, unfortunately, competitions, but, but awesome. So you did the, the team, right? The, uh, for USA, the team. Version? Uh, no, I was actually in the individual side. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with Amanda Goodman and Colleen Foch. Um, yeah, and then the two two other women that were with us did the team, but it's cool. Either would have been awesome. Um, you know, the team environment, you have people to, to feed off of, energize, and then so it's pretty cool they offer both team and individuals. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I think, too, like, like you having done this, obviously, is a great experience, you know, for, like, your own fitness endeavors, but – um, really giving you a look at like not only just performance at a higher level, but how to train and like uh, go from like one level being like the online qualifier, like you said, to the national level, then to the international level, like obviously getting to like the peak of that uh, competition, you know, at the, at the peak of it where you're having to compete for multiple days, you're having to do, all kinds of different functional fitness yeah. movements. I mean, you guys had to do all kinds of different events, right? Oh yeah. There's six different events, all different categories as far as like gymnastics, endurance, strength, all kinds of events and handstand walk with a sponge in between your feet. Like it was, it was wild. <laughs> yeah. Something a little bit different there, but yeah. yeah and I think that's cool though. Cause it kind of gives you a, a insider's perspective, if you want to say, like, as you're going into, you know, you're transitioning out of, not maybe not out, but you're transitioning from, like, last year being in that that really competitive mindset, um, even though you were still in, you know, uh, grad school and or PT, you know, and now your PT program, and now 
transferring into like just having the PT program and, uh, you know, focusing on, like you said, family, uh, obviously career about to graduate. It's like all those things are kind of taken into, into account, but now you're coming in with a little bit different perspective than just having gone through without that athletic experience. Do you think that kind of helps you as you're going through like, um, you know, like your rotations and, and now when you get out or soon to be when you graduate too? As far as like one-on-one coaching and the CrossFit side, I think definitely having the experience of competing um, at a higher level and seeing the dedication it takes and the hours it needs to be in the gym. And I think a lot of people don't realize how many hours these people are putting in a gym. And it's like all they do all day is eat, sleep, and breathe CrossFit. And, um, you know, the recovery that comes with that, the eating that comes with that, the mental preparation and not getting burnout. Um, there's just, just with any sport, I mean, it's a whole, whole different level you have to commit to. Um, so as like one-on-one coaching, that definitely helps because I can like pull from my own experiences um, yeah. with that for sure. Yeah. Do you think that'll help you like, um, uh, like with athletes that come into, let's say, see you for like the PT side? uh after whenever you graduate yeah i think um you know athletes want to continue to train they don't want to get hurt they don't want to have time out of the gym and even if they do have an injury there's ways you know to train around that pain work around it and still keep your fitness up without continuing to injure yourself and i think people definitely those higher level athletes or people that are experiencing injuries can definitely learn a lot from physical therapists there's a lot of physical therapists in the crossfit world now that can you know are not saying don't do crossfit you're going to get hurt but we're saying do it this way give your body time to recover and be as fit as you want to be yeah i think that's great um i mean just from like my own personal standpoint like i think when i first started crossfit way back when we won't mention a date uh (laughs) but way back when you know, it was like my first time ever really trying to strength train, um, was doing some sumo deadlifting at a faster pace, uh, not really probably having the best form to, and like hurt my lower back. And I remember just like deadlifting, like 135, uh, kind of hurt. And like, it was weird. I could, I could snatch and I could clean, not the best of my ability, but I could still do that. But like, anytime I go to deadlift, it hurt. And so, what did I do? Probably what most people do when they have an injury, they just kind of like avoid it altogether. Yeah. Right. And so later on years down the road, now what that's kind of, uh, succumbed to is like having a really, really big, uh, I say big for myself, a uh, big number, like on a back squat. And then my deadlift is really minute in yeah. you know, what should it be? It should be the other way around, like having yeah. a higher deadlift than what you can back squat. And so now it's like trying to work around those type of, uh, injuries or those, those, uh, circumstances, you know, years later. So I think that, I think what you said, like really hits the nail on the head though, is like, you know, people still want to train in the gym, uh, still want to continue with their fitness goals, whatever those might be without necessarily just like stopping and resting completely. I don't know. Do you think that's like, do you think that kind of like helps or helps certain injuries or like almost like makes them worse? So I think it depends on the injury for sure. Um, if you're doing something and constantly causing pain, then it's probably making it worse. But a lot of injuries too start to feel better as you get warmed up. You know, you might be like, oh, my shoulder's nagging me. But then five minutes into your workout, you completely forget about it. 
because it hurts more when it's stiff. So if you're moving, getting blood flow to the area, um, and it's not hurting, then it can help. And that's a lot, a lot of people with low back pain fear movement and they just stop working out and it gets worse. Whereas we want to get them moving gradually, um, pain free. So definitely it depends on the injury, but there's still a lot you can do. Even if that one like joint or problem area is painful, you can still work all the other parts of your body. Yeah, I think that's great. That's fantastic. Um, I can't remember where I heard this from, but yeah, somebody always said like, you know, when, if you're feeling like you're having a bad day or like a stiff day, uh, like at least get into the gym and at least warm up and then see how you feel and then make the executive decision, you know, like to keep training or to not keep training. Because I think, I think like what you said, you know, 90% of the time people will probably warm up and then at least feel good enough to train. Maybe it's not that movement they wanted to do initially, but they can still do something, you know. Yeah, one of one of my professors always says motion is lotion. And <laughs> we always like make fun of him for saying that, but it's true. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Uh speaking of that, like on on the the notion that motion is lotion, um what so like let's take for example if if we're talking right now to like a an everyday athlete goes to their CrossFit gym, they have uh nagging injuries. What is like what is something that they can take away from this little combo that we're having where they can start applying to them? Like if they have a nagging injury, like what is, what are like some steps that they can start taking or doing to help them, help them continue to train necessarily without just stopping or feeling like they have to go like straight to a doctor or a, or a PT. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of different, online things you can see on Instagram, um, you know, scap symmetries out there, hip symmetry, all that kinds of stuff. Just take being more deliberate about your warm ups and your mobility routine before, let's say before you squat, taking just that extra 10 minutes. And I know a lot of us don't want to do that. We're like rushing in from work, like got to get throw 135 on the bar, let's start squatting, you know, um, but just taking more deliberate time to like, prime prime your body move your joints um get them loosened up it's gonna help a lot in the long run it's gonna feel better um and then also on pulling down um same thing like going through mobility routine foam rolling stretching just spending a little more time on those joints and problem areas that hurt is going to help in the long run and your body's going to thank you for that yeah i think that's great if you could like obviously we could dive down this next rabbit hole like forever but what would be like like uh, the best way that somebody could warm up necessarily without, you know, like let's say on a time crunch, like if they, if they only have that hour in the gym, um, maybe less, what, what would you kind of take them through as like a, like an overall general warm up? Obviously you don't know, like we're talking about avatar athlete versus like somebody that you know exactly has like certain, like what, what would you Um, say is kind of like the best overall warm up that somebody could get in? So, um, definitely something dynamic. Uh, I like if you're on time crunch too, say set up like an EMOM for a warm up. Yeah. Um, one minute do a cardio piece, another minute, you know, do some dynamic stretches just like you did. Maybe like if you played sports, you know, some high knees, high kicks down the mat. You can do some like mountain climbers or lunges, open the hips up, some push ups, like walkouts. Um, just kind of get the hips, shoulders, back, you know, the big 
the big joints that are usually stiff and usually what you're working at CrossFit. I like EMOM style, especially if you're time crunch because you're like, here's 10 minutes. I'm going to be warm. My cardio is going to be going. My heart rate's going to be up. I'm going to be ready to start into my workout in 10 minutes. Yeah, that's great. I like that a lot. Um, I've actually found myself doing that a little bit lately, like yeah. setting up two different EMOMs, you know, one for like what you said, doing like some type of monostructural cardio movement mixed in with like a dynamic stretch and then, you know, another eight minute EMOM where it's a little bit more movement specific. Like yeah, definitely. I'm cleaning that day, focusing, like you said, on some more like hip circle activation type stuff, doing some like empty bar curl, uh, curls, doing some empty bar, <laughs> cleans, uh, you know, you got to get the curls in there. Right oh now. yeah. Gotta get them in there. Um, I mean, you're using them for cleans, right? No, but, uh, you know, getting in some empty bar cleans or, and whatever type of more movement-specific stuff. That's great. Yeah, uh, that's perfect. Now, what do you think about, like, uh, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, like, activation, like, beforehand. Do you think a lot of athletes do enough activation? I don't see a lot of people doing that. Um, I know, like, a lot of gyms have, like, the scap symmetry protocols, yeah. And my gym back home, they ordered some of the uh, slingshot bands for like hip, like yeah, monster rocks, right. hip circles. So I see more people doing it now that like we have them in the gym. Um, yeah. But it definitely makes a huge difference. Uh, I love the scap symmetry protocol. You don't have to buy scap symmetry. You can get resistance bands, anything that, um, you know, five pound change plates and do a lot of shoulder stuff. I mean, there's tons of muscles that attach to your shoulders and just taking them through that like external internal rotation, some flies, just getting those warmed up. It's going to make your like snatches, pull-ups, push-ups, all that stuff feel so much better. Same mm -hmm. with the hip protocols, um, you know, monster walks, all that kind of stuff. It's going to make your squats feel a lot better. Yeah. And this kind of off topic a little bit, a little on topic, but I know, I think I know what you're going to say. I just want to see what you're going to say here. Um, if somebody's like, let's say, trying to get their first pull-up, do you think doing that type of stuff is beneficial or should they spend more time going through like full range of motion type stuff? Um, I think that stuff's definitely beneficial. You have um, like a lot of stabilizer muscles that are important um, in your pull-up and those get worked in those uh, warm-up like protocols. So I don't think, you know, doing a bunch of scout symmetry is going to get you a pull-up, but it's not going to hurt. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah. I, I think you, you said exactly what I was thinking in my head. Yeah. yeah. I think like, you know, for athletes, whether they are beginner or advanced, like they might have those advanced moves. It's like they kind of might shrug off the non-sexy, the easier yeah. type of movements, you know, the, the things that everybody can do. Like everybody, like you said, can grab change plates and do some bent over, you know, YTWAs yeah. or do some internal external rotation, but come on, that's not as sexy as like a muscle up or like actually yeah. getting on the rig and doing a, um, doing a pull up. Right. But for those people that only do those higher dynamic, higher skill movements, right. It's like yeah. that can obviously start to lead to uh, overuse injury or especially if their technique's not right as well. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I would say, you know, shoulder is probably the number one common injury in CrossFitters just because they're used, you know, in everything, all your pulls, all your pushes, all your overheads, bar yeah. work. And then you start, work. Yeah, right? And then you start placing a time domain on it or you start placing yeah. a, an emphasis to go harder through, uh, you know, the dynamic, the dynamic or dynamically loading a pull-up, right, versus making it a little bit slow or static stuff like uh, – 
I, I feel like this happens a lot too. It's like a common, a common thing in the CrossFit realm where people will, let's say, get their first pull-up. And so they have one strict pull-up down, and then what do they want next? Kipping. They're like, oh my gosh, I got to get my kipping pull-up, yeah. right? Versus thinking, okay, I have my first strict pull-up. Now what can I do to get to uh, kipping pull-ups, right? Well, I need to be able to do, what would you say? How many like strict pull-ups do you think somebody should do before they try to do kipping? At least five, probably. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I was gonna. I was even gonna say like eight to ten, but yeah, five I mean, to ten. But ten's still like a struggle for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like it's still tough. Yeah, but I think that I think like people are really into like checking boxes, you know, and they're like, okay, uh, top of the list is a ring row, check. Next on the right. list is pull up, check. Next on the list is like kipping, check. And so then they go to things like kipping pull-ups, butterfly pull-ups, and then even like bigger movement range or bigger range of motion, like chest to bars, kipping and butterfly. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what, what happens to somebody in their shoulders if let's say they go for those kipping or those chest to bar or the, the butterfly movements and they can only do, let's say one or two, uh, strict pull-ups. Like if they don't have that strength, what, what, what might tend to happen if people like try to jump those levels too soon? Yeah. Just a lot of like rotator cuff breakdown. I mean, if you look at like the anatomy of the shoulder, a lot of those muscles are tiny little muscles mm -hmm. and your shoulder is connected to your body by just muscles. Like it doesn't actually have a straight bony, like your scapula is held onto like your rib cage with just muscles. It doesn't have like ligaments and bony attachments like every other part of your body. So if those muscles aren't strong and can't adequately like hold your shoulder in place you're going to get injured eventually and it might not give initially but something's got to give eventually yeah no i think that's that's a great way to kind of look at it too maybe maybe that maybe if people hear that they might not want to jump the gun and and go to that next yeah. check so fast you know try to try to check off the list there um, yeah, and um, like you mentioned, the print, like the change plate IYTs and A's. I mean, I have people that are like real muscular people coming into rehab. They lift all the time, and I make them do no weight, so just the weight of their arm, and do like some prone IYTs, and they're they're smoked at the end. And I'm like, yeah, those muscles are so small; it doesn't take much to like fatigue them out. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the other day I was sweating doing some of those. <laughs> yeah, I, scapular like stabilization exercises I feel like are the hardest like exercises. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so let's kind of change gears a little bit. And if if somebody's having an issue, what what could they um, what, what could they start to do to analyze? Maybe like I said, if they if they don't have the time or the energy or uh, the money or the funds to just like be able to go out and you know go to a doctor, or go to a PT. What is something or like like how can they kind of like not diagnose, but how can they start to look at their their issues that they're having, whether it is upper body, lower body? Um, let me think about that one. <laughs> Uh, I guess it's hard to say based on like how much knowledge people have of the actual muscles that they may be feeling. But um, like I said earlier, if you feel some, a nagging injury, but it feels better, the more you warm up and get in the gym, you know, get in the gym and warm up and just take a step back with the weight and 
maybe just go unweighted movements or really light movements and try to like strengthen those muscles that might be taking a beating or have like a tendinopathy, you know, you still want to strengthen them, but you don't want to keep continue to like break them down. Mm -hmm. So maybe just dialing back the intensity. If they're feeling really stiff, say someone's, you know, in today's day and age, you're sitting at a desk for eight hours a day. Your hips are definitely stiff. Um, Mm -hmm. And you feel like a pinch in the bottom of your squat. Just take an extra, you know, 10 minutes, do a lot of mobility stuff, smash a lacrosse ball in there. Um, Just kind of pay attention to your body. um, Pay attention to what's telling you. And most most CrossFit athletes, a little rest and a little love to their body. They're back at it in a week. Yeah, I think that's true. But taking a week off, like, I'll we'll lose all the gains and everybody else will get way more fit than them. That's true. Uh, no, I think that's true there. <laughs> You're talking about, like, uh, like foam rolling and, like, smashing on the crossball and everything. What do you think is, like, the most beneficial, like, type of recovery? Because I know, like, right now it's popular to have, like, the vibration massage guns, the – the voodoo floss, the ROM wads, the, you know, the all different types of programs. What do you feel like is the most, and I don't want to say beneficial because they all have their place and they're all probably beneficial yeah. in the form of fashion. What do you feel like is the most like bang for the buck uh, type of like recovery system or tool? Oh, that's a good I mean, one. That's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this isn't even the topic we're covering, but probably nutrition. <laughs> hey, there you go. I love it. That's yeah, I mean, all of the recovery programs that, you know, Ramwad, all those different things are pretty much all getting to the same thing. And it's just like a day or two of the week to slow down, stretch. You don't have to do yoga. Um, just stretch, you know, foam roll, lacrosse ball. Basically, like self-massage and stretching is really helpful. Um and getting some light blood flow and proper nutrition and proper sleep. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think you, I don't think you could have said that any better, <laughs> you know, cause I, I think people overlook that and they're looking for the next mobility yeah. craze, you know, whatever it is, if it's whatever. Yeah, the, the Theragun with the massage ball and the stick or whatever. That's pretty sweet and it feels really good, but I'm not about to pay $500 for one. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, let me spend all this money on this, object that supposedly helps my recovery but we forget the the necessary stuff day to day that you have to do and pay for anyways you have to pay for food right you have to eat you have to sleep you don't have to get a massage gun even though it feels good but it hurts when you spend the money on it (laughs) yeah for Uh, sure 500 bucks or however much those things are that's crazy uh and i know we talked a little bit before um but before with this little podcast here, but we talked about uh, kind of three three ways to that like a, a physical therapist might look at a jolt, right, to help improve those. Can you kind of talk about those? Like, yeah. So what we talked about earlier this week is, you know, it's kind of like a triangle of fitness, and it's like, are you does that joint have stability? Does it have mobility and does it have strength? And a lot of people might not be, they might not have all three tiers. Um, You know, if you have, say you sprained your ankle a while back, you probably don't have stability in the ankle and it's really hard to balance. 
but your calf and your shin um, muscles might still be really strong. So you have strength, but you don't have the stability aspect. Um, so that's kind of going through the process fit and what we're going to, the programs we're going to have later, we're going to have some like mobility programs and some stability slash strength. They kind of go hand in hand. It's hard to, um, you know, program one without the other. Um, but a lot of people usually either lack mobility or stability or a little bit of both. Um, so depends on the athlete. Yeah, no, I like that. So, so mobility, stability, and strength. Um, and you, and you might not want to say this completely because we're going to be, like I said, combining our forces and creating some programs too, but how might one athlete go and like, like, let's say their shoulders hurting, how can they go and test maybe on their own really quick to see if they can, if it is a mobility issue, if it's a stability or if it's a strength issue. So shoulder specifically, I think, um, mobility wise, uh, like how's your overhead squat feel? How's the front rack position feel? Um, when you overhead squat, are you struggling to keep that bar path like over your head? Is the bar coming forward? In the front rack, are you struggling to get your elbows up? Um, you know, do you have a lot of muscle mass and it's hard, like, do you have a bodybuilding history and you have a lot of muscle mass and it's hard to, like, reach behind your back or, like, reach overhead? Those are more mobility issues. Stability issues um, could be, like, do you have a history as a swimmer or an overhead throwing athlete and you just have a lot of flexibility in that shoulder? Um, do you, have you ever, has your shoulder ever like popped out and back in doing like pull-ups or doing, you know, sports? Um, there's a lot of stability issues that can be like genetic or just uh, wear and tear on the body. Mm -hmm. So um, different, different kind of questions um, and things that you think about. Does your shoulder feel like really weak when you get, you know, 15 reps into a push jerk um, and, and unstable? Then you probably have more of a stability issue. Yeah, no, that's good. And obviously something like carries could help with that, right? Yep. Cool. Yeah, um, stability stability programs are fun. Um, I like I have a couple like labrum patients working their stability, and you can be pretty creative, so I like it. Yeah. Now, last important question here is, do you think that people who aren't injured should be taking advantage of this, or should they – not necessarily wait because hopefully we don't want anybody to get hurt but or should people necessarily like wait till they get injured to do certain things like this so definitely don't I wouldn't wait till you're injured because then you got to take time off of the gym and you don't no one wants to do that so um the programs that you know it's still workshopping we have a lot to do um before these go live but I think everyone can benefit from mobility programs and everyone can benefit from like stability and strength programs. It's kind of more of think about it as prehab, you know, take care of your body now so you don't get hurt later. Mm -hmm. If you're already hurt, they're definitely still going to help you. Um, and if you have a more specific injury, you might uh, more specifically want to speak to me directly or like another physical therapist in town. Um, yeah. I was meaning to say this on the podcast because a lot of people don't know this, but like most physical therapists in most states in the U.S. have direct access, meaning you don't have to go see your primary like medical doctor before going to PT. You can just call up your local PT and be like, I have a shoulder injury. Can I come see you next week? And they're going to get you in and treat you. 
and save you a step of having to go to your MD and then telling you I'm referring you to PT. So really helpful um, to that a lot of people don't know that. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that either. So yeah, because uh, I was gonna say anytime I've had to use a PT, it was like you know, you have to find that reason that you're hurt first yeah. in the first place or, you know, that you have to be referred by a medical doctor because you're injured. Yeah. First, so. Well, yeah, every state's a little different. So you kind of have to just maybe call your local PT clinic and ask, but most of them that I've looked up research on, you can get treated for up to like 90 days without having a medical referral. So really? Okay. Mostly, That's awesome. yeah. That's good to know. yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, is there, uh, where, where can people find you? First of all, if they want more information, they want to kind of learn more from, from your knowledge and expertise. So obviously the process fits website, um, on their one-on-one -on -one coaching. I also have an Instagram. It's just faith underscore Farley, nothing too creative there. Um, so probably Instagram or the process fit if they want to get in touch with me one-on-one -on -one and also be on the lookout in hopefully May or June for those uh, prehab programs. Cool. Heck yeah. Sounds awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you for taking the time to shed some light on some mobility, stability, and injury prevention and all those different types of things. Awesome. Yeah, it was fun. All righty. Hey, take care. Thank you.